What's up, Microtrophs? Microtrophic here. Welcome back to the podcast where together we are going to grow in mind, body, spirit, and mushroom. Today we have a special guest, probably one of the, I would say, more renowned people in our community. At least I think so. That's Mr. Doma Nunzio. You guys might know him from Magic Myco, among many other things. Shout out. And if you guys can see that trophy behind him, actually how I became aware of you, Doma, was because of that first psilocybin cup. So we got to, of course, talk about that. I want to talk about the lab that you're in, which looks beautiful. If you guys are listening, you have to watch the video version. Um, but I have so many questions, but let's just begin. So thank you so much for hopping on today. How are you doing, man? Thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. So I'm super excited. Um, you were someone I've, I've won on the podcast for quite some time. I think that like I'm in as well as yourself and I think many of the people who've been in our community for at least a good amount, amount of years, maybe two plus years. Um, I, you know, I've been growing uh, or just been in mycology for just about under eight years. I'm sure maybe you're about the same or a little longer, but I'm about in the, the more of like the advanced group, you know. So when it comes to things like growing, after some time you're growing every variety and then you kind of have it down. I guess the next level is like, you know, breeding, the genetics. And then even testing, which I'm more concerned with these days, if I'm going to breed something or bring something um, to share with friends, like I want to know. Also, I want, I want to have measurable effects every time. So we're going to get into testing, too. But let's digress a little bit. Um, so you have quite the cool story. Um, you actually sent me a little write up and I want to kind of pull from that. So you had a, a life threatening motorcycle accident in 1998. How did that happen or how like what did that look like for you? Uh, I was 21 years old. I was riding a Harley Davidson, um, probably not in the best frame of mind. Um, and I just got into this horrible accident. Actually, I uh, just to slightly digress, I have uh, I co-authored a new book that's coming out on Black Friday called Rattled Awake, Volume Four, where I kind of tell this whole entire story, and it, it's really cool. Um, but this is volume three right here, which was an international bestseller. So nice. I got when I got in with these people, some really great people with some great stories, and that book will be out. And it talks a little bit about these topics exactly. But yeah, I got into a horrible accident, and um, uh, it basically followed by major addiction problems. For started with pain management, and I was already messing around with drugs when I got into the accident. But then it was like for the next two plus decades, it was just constant struggle with opiates. Wow. And I've been there for a very short amount of time. I had some surgeries coming out of the, uh, or while I was in the Marine Corps and then after, you know, the only thing they did was give me like, you know, Vicodins and, and pain pills and say like, okay, cool. Like you're on your way kind of thing. So, but anyways, um, so you, you had your accident, you were dealing with, you know, opioid addiction and then you found mycology. And how did that shift your brain? How did that shift your mindset? And how did it shift your life going forward? Um, the, the medicine itself, naturally, I've, I had some really profound experiences that kind of allowed me to take a step back from myself to kind of like analyze my whole life, see the things, uh, you know, my shortcomings, where I was going wrong, and gave me uh, confidence and courage to kind of... Um, go about it. And having said that, that's taking the medicine, but forget taking the medicine, just the hobby itself of mm -hmm. growing the mushrooms. Right before I started getting into mycology, I was growing cannabis plants. 
I was crossing them, I was grafting them, and I was doing some experiments, and I found it really, really interesting. I started studying, like, the Mendelian genetics and the experiments from the 1800s and stuff, and I thought that was really fascinating. So when I came to mycology, uh, naturally, one of the first questions and experiments, projects I wanted to do was kind of breed, and, and so I started that, the breeding projects and isolations kind of right from the beginning. Not to say that I was successful, it took me kind of a year before I really even became successful and grew anything. Uh, yeah, but I went online, found a couple of good groups, Willie Maiko, a couple other guys, and uh, started getting successful. And just the hobby itself, just doing it, you know, it gave me something to do. As an addict, you always need something to do. I kind of got addicted to that. You know, I've been called a poly addict. Like, I, I quit one thing, and it's like I have to get addicted to something else to, like, let go of the thing before. And it's just like I'm constantly going, going, going. So when I got into this, I naturally got addicted to it and obsessed with it. And I just, I found it fascinating. I went online to find some experience reports, you know, shroomery, how to grow this and that, but no real like concrete, like scientific research data, whatever there was, was kind of old and kind of outdated. Uh, so that was like one of the next things I wanted to get into because I was into extractions with cannabis, you know, BHO and all this other stuff. So I wanted to know what we were growing and exactly how to dose. So that's kind of like where the whole testing thing came. Gotcha. And that's kind of what I would assume consumes your life is testing these days. Like, is that where, is that what you're addicted to these days, I guess? Absolutely. Because it's so exciting and like the discoveries are ongoing and the questions are abundant. Uh, you know, we don't have this all figured out. I don't know everything by, by any means whatsoever. Right. I, I've learned a lot from failing and just being persistent. Yep. So, you know, um, same thing going with the testing and the methods. I, I really got great methods down now for testing the actual fungi, but like I'm still working on my methods for like the food products, for like the, the edibles and stuff like that, which is a, a different sample prep process entirely. And that, even with the regular testing, with the regular mushrooms, the sample prep is not as easy and straightforward as, say, with cannabis, you know. All the medicine is on the outside of the plant mainly, and, you know, that's why we could blast it with some BHO and it just comes straight out, all the good medicine. With the fungi, we're dealing with the cell wall and it's chitin and it's locked up in there a little bit, so it's a, it's a little bit more involved sample prep process to, to prep the samples for testing. So I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting down, like, the food products and the edibles, which is a solid phase extraction a three-part uh, thing. So, like, you know, we're, we're still learning. We're still improving. And uh, we have an open source. I have an open source um, approach to all my research. I kind of put it out there. I let my members look at it. I let other labs, other, the, the whole community look at it, critique it. They come back with some ideas, and that's how I get better and grow. That's amazing. You said it right there. It's one of the tenets I live by is, like, fail forward. Like, it's really easy to take good advice from someone but when you personally um, endure and you create your own failures, you remember those and uh, you learn from them and you push forward. And the consistency in learning to just not quit, to not stop and to not be afraid of failures. Like so many people in my community get so, um, I don't like the word butthurt, but they get like upset um, that they ran into trichoderma and, you know, like their tubs are like, you know, turning green and like, where did I go wrong? And I have to post a picture like, like, look at this tub that I did last month, you know, like it happens to me still. And I have a flow hood and like a space, you know, specifically for this and clean cultures like it just happens. So uh, forward, not, you know, don't be afraid, you know. 
I had to dump two totes yesterday because it was a bad culture. All the grains and everything were perfect, but the culture was bad and, and they went bad. All the other totes I did with the same grains and substrate are going great. So that's how I knew yeah. it was the culture. You had to dump it. You go back, you try to label stuff. So maybe you could go back, find if you have any more left of that culture so you could just dump it, you know, yep. or test it again, do a batch test. Exactly, yeah. So all that you're doing and where you're doing it is under Magic Myco. So essentially, you were you were inspired to and like you know this curiosity of uh, fungi really inspired you to like create a company into you know not just have your research but also like um, to discover you know I guess new things. What are you trying to discover, or what are some of the things you're discovering as of recent, or like things that you want to find in the future with your testing with Magic Myco and the things you've created. Uh, so right now we're looking at a lot of different variables like drying, dehydrating, freeze drying, different storage conditions over time and the degradation of the alkaloids. Just knowing the pathway of the alkaloids themselves wasn't very clear until recently. And so we're looking for all those ones. We try to have all the ones in the pathway uh, in our panel and stuff like that. Um, some of the exotics, the exotics are, I notice, uh, so when I look at these, I share the, the chromatograph file and everything, the ChemStation report, which kind of tells a story of how the analysis ran the equipment and the sample. And so when I run the Cubensis samples, it's kind of like what I call a fingerprint. Like you can see a very definite profile of, of the alkaloids and how they come out. Usually it has a high psilocybin and a low psilocin. But with some of these um, other ones, like some of the exotics, like pan-cyan, just for instance, and, and rarely some of the cubensis, we're seeing a very different fingerprint, a very different profile, more alkaloids. Um, we have, have some different methods, like extended methods that could look at beta-carbolines um, and, and some of these uh, other MAOIs and other alkaloids, other tryptamines that, that aren't um, so much in the cubensis, or if they are, it's at such low levels that I just can't detect it, and it's, it's probably not very active anyway. But yeah, so so a lot of these, um, a lot of these different new new profiles is very interesting, and the degradation factors, the, the drying, everything. Like like we think a lot about you know being successful in our grow, and then. Once we harvest it, it's like, all right, it's done. But no, it's not. Like the, the time from when you harvest it to when you store it, it's, 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 it's very important. Yeah, I could almost liken that to cannabis. Like just because you have beautiful, you know, buds, like you still have to dry it, hopefully at the right conditions, you know, low and slow, right? And then there is a curing process, you know, with all, you know, to let all your, um, your chlorophylls and everything, you know, like, like terpenes are water soluble. They do, you know, they do like evaporate. So yeah, I know it's much different obviously, but I have like a cannabis background too. I was in the industry for like seven or eight years and yeah. So yeah. So what are, what are some of your things that you're finding that maybe, um, the, the common grower could do differently and, or, um, be mindful of in that process? Like, is it, is it a low temperature dehydration? Does it not really matter? Because I, I think this was actually coming up in my Discord today. Someone was talking about, I believe it's like 212, 220 degrees Fahrenheit where you start to get degradation of, of compounds. Or So what are some of these factors? So that's the amazing thing is they seem to be able to withstand a considerable amount of heat. You know, we always believed heat, heat light, uh, UV light, heat, um, you know, 
the air will cause oxidation, which will then cause degradation. But finding in some of our experiments that, yeah, they could really withstand a considerable amount of heat. The biggest factor seems to be the water, like right away we'll, turn, we'll start that degradation process. So when we're working with cannabis and we want to activate it, we're decarboxylating it to get it from THCA to, T to delta-9 THC. So basically it's the same thing, but one is the active form of another, right? So it's basically the same thing with the mushrooms. We have psilocybin and psilocin. The psilocin is what's actually is the active alkaloid, but we want to keep it as psilocybin for the main reason. The reason why we say psilocybin is the king is because it's the stable one. We, it's the shelf stable one. So for, to keep it the way it is, we want to keep it as psilocybin because once we introduce that water or that oxidation whatever the degradation that causes it, and it starts to turn to psilocin, from there, it's going to disappear faster. Uh, so far, I tested some BVI like six months later, and we could see this process of how the, the psilocybin will start coming down, and we see the psilocin start coming up, and we could even do calculations based on the molecular weights because there's a conversion there to see the weight difference, and if anything was actually even lost, and so far, no doing some different things with argon gas, whether it's powdered or not. Uh, it's very strain dependent too, because different species will have more or less fleshy tissues. You know, panscions are very, very thin, like almost wispy, almost nothing there. It's almost like you need 50 of them. You need 50 of them just to make like a gram, you know, but with the cubensis, you get one giant, giant fleshy thing. So, you know, they're a little bit different. So for, for some, it pays to powder it. We, we grind it up and powder it before testing. I did a few experiments with pan science, whole versus powdered, and there was very little difference. Wow. Interesting. So among um, other things, uh, are you still doing um, or are you still active in breeding and things like that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, got a bunch of different projects, you know, so we have the online uh, magic mycology research group on Patreon. Uh, you know, I do a lot of the genetics work and the testing. Uh, here in this nice lab, but we have um, a, a, a Patreon of a hundred or so members at any given time who participate in some of the research. So I'll make the genetics, I'll send it out to them. They grow it all uh, the different ways that we do. We're experimenting with different additives. So you asked before of like any recommendations. I could tell you what maybe not, maybe what not to recommend would be easier. That's probably better, um, yeah. Chris, we've been doing some experiments. You see a lot of uh, posts and um, talk around like the additives in the substrate. Some people are going so far as to putting like good DMT or other precursors into their substrates in hopes they're going to create some super potent thing or some even new alkaloid or something like that. Sure. And it, it's very interesting because we did it with substrate and on agar, and I'll try to do this as briefly as possible. But when I give it any of the, um, the pre, let's call them precursors like L-tryptophan, 5-HTP, tryptamine, right, which is the one right before norbeocystin. If I give it any of those additives while it's in its initial growth phase, it stalls it out really quick. The dishes kind of turn brown. The mycelium, if I let it go too long, will never hit the edge of the plate. They just stay in the middle, and they'll kind of turn bruised and blue as if they're senescing early. So maybe an analogy would be to kind of like cannabis, like it would be like kind of similar to like turning your red light on when the thing is still vegging, when it's still germinating, you know what I mean? Sure, so like yeah. possibly it is triggering the production of the alkaloids, 
but we're doing it too early in the life cycle. So one thing I do mm. recommend is to try to keep an eye on or to try to keep, uh, you know, uh, note of is the life cycle stage that you're in. So when we first germinate something, usually the spore will have one nucleus, right? And we could look at that in the microscope. Sometimes they have more and there's different mating systems and all stuff like that, unifactoral, bifactoral, you could look all that stuff up. But for the most part, let's just say it's a normal spore and it has one nucleus. So it germinates, it's the, the, the mycelium, it turns into a primary mycelium. The primary mycelium will go out in search of another primary mycelium. Those two will come together to form a dikaryotic mycelium, which is then capable of going on to produce your fruit bodies. When they come together, they start sharing, they make those clamp connections, soften that cell wall so that they can slip their nucleus and their genetic information in between them. They start sharing and the nucleus quickly start multiplying, multiplying, multiplying until there is so many that it just turns into a hyphal knot, which turns into your primordia, which will turn into your basidiocarp uh, mushroom, and the cycle will start all over again. So a really good trick is to keep on top of your life cycle. You know, don't give it these additives. When it's still in its beginning stages, it might stall it out, trigger that alkaloid production too soon, and it's never really gonna do very well. I see some other people using these additives, also like BCAAs, very successfully, but later on, like when it's like just about to fruit, or even when it is fruiting, I see people using it in their spray bottles, using sports drinks, sports drinks, all these crazy things. Yeah, I've used straight BCAA, like lab grade. I never tried the sports drink thing, but I see all these people doing crazy things and they swear it's making them stronger. Maybe it's triggering a senescence that's, that's um, giving it a higher psilocin uh, content in the beginning for some reason. Uh, you know, not really sure, but a really good trick is to when you're, you, you grow out your strains, then you go to your grain, you let that whole thing colonize, and now you're at your point where you could spawn to a substrate. You can make your totes, you can spawn to a substrate, and, and, and fruit your mushrooms. Instead of going big right there, hold on a minute. Take those colonized grains and go back to agar. This is a G to A transfer, grain to agar transfer. Because what we're doing it now is we're catching it in a life cycle where it's farther in its life stage and it's more multinuclear. So when we go back to the agar or even, a, or even some jars and just put a little on the bottom so then you have more headroom to let your mushrooms grow. And very quickly, those are gonna fruit on your agar dishes or in your jars. And you'll be able to view the characteristics or see if it's even capable of fruiting at all. There is such a thing as, as um, illegitimate matings, illegitimate dicarion, which look aggressive, but they won't fruit. So in this way, you could see what you got, get all your jars, say, okay, this one's no good, let's get rid of it. This one's good, let's go big with this one, and then mm. continue. And now because you're catching it in that life cycle and letting those nucleus just keep multiplying, by the time you do get to your grain, it's just going to explode. You're going to have a big yield, and it's going to be pretty damn stable. Interesting. Those are those are nice tips. Yeah, I mean, I, I like how we can use cannabis references. Um, yeah, like red light, you know, during a veg stage kind of thing. Um, yeah, people then, understand. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. And then even like um, I haven't heard of anybody using anything like um, like foliar kind of, you know, application, I guess, like for plants, but for like direct to fruit applications. I haven't heard of anything like that, but I mean, I guess like, um, 
when they when they are in that like you know pre-fruiting or fruiting stage they are like absorbing a lot of water like you'll know obviously you'll notice like most of the water content of your substrate is absorbed and that's why most people have to rehydrate so like maybe during like a second flush rehydration stage or something like that I'm, that's all you know you're saying but interesting so so you have quite a bit of information you're gathering can you tell me a little bit more about um your like how people can source your information and, and how people are contributing to that uh well sure so i have the online notebook and we do all the testing and whatever projects or testing we do I put in the notebook for the for the public to see. They could go on the uh, Magic Micro.org website, click on research data. It'll take you to the notebook. You can view all the tests by month. You can check out some of the research experiments and projects we have going. A lot of them are in the works. You know, uh, we're trying to get the notebook organized. But it was one of the um, say. Um, one of the protocol requirements in order to get certified, I'm trying to get my lab certified, um, sure. and a couple of those requirements to get ISO 17025 certified, you got to follow their protocols, uh, one of which is to have a LIMS man uh, uh, lab inventory management system, which, is, which my ELN, the electronic lab notebook, is part of. And you have to have six months' worth of data already in there when you're called to get audited. We already have now... A year and a half but the second thing requirement main requirement is you have to pass proficiency tests so that's where I'm at now and um, I'm just waiting on passing my proficiency tests and then I can get my certification that's amazing well you know obviously like best of luck for that I think well I don't even think luck is what most think it is I think luck is preparation and timing so it sounds like you're doing preparation and you're, it's, it's kind of just a waiting game at this point that's awesome I ask about testing because I think it's nice to be like measurable. Like my, so I'm gonna go back to cannabis again. Like early 2000s, going to any medical shop, you know, a lot of the time getting like a brownie, they would say about 200 milligrams. But realistically, you know, every batch was different. Who knows how, what flour they used? And sometimes they were way stronger. Sometimes they were not strong at all. So with you know, with mushrooms in particular. I mean, do you see like a huge variance in in strains and their and their their alkaloid comp, you know, their content, or is it, or do you see like a pretty average? Obviously, like from like penis envy to like your regular, you know, golden teacher style cubensis, um, there might be a differential. But um, so obviously, like when you're when you're taking this data, you're able to have something measurable, and then from there, I would say like in the future, that's the kind of information that is needed if you're going to put out a product because it has to be measurable, has to be the same every single time. And that's kind of, um, I kind of wanted to segue using that into how you say you believe that mushrooms are the gateway to universal consciousness and a source of uh, healing and inspiration. And you do that through safe and therapeutic usage. And you can't really have something that's like safe, therapeutic if you don't have something that's measurable. So that's, that's amazing. So can you tell me a little bit about, um, and I totally agree with you too, that like gateway to universal consciousness, like that was that was what woke me up. Psychedelics were what woke me up. First, it was the uh, it was acid, of course, um, for me. But uh, mushrooms, very short after having my first astral projection and being like, "Wow, I'm this consciousness in this body, traversing this third dimensional reality, and I can, you know, modulate my consciousness and use it to manifest things into my life." It's like all because of like these little things that I that I couldn't find, and then I had to learn how to grow, and then I ate them and had this you know huge experience. So what does what does that look like for you? Oh, 
Number one, absolutely. As far as the universal consciousness, I mean, it just kind of rewired my whole brain. When I was at my lowest point in my entire life, I had pretty much lost everything. It completely rewired my brain and um, gave me the will and the courage to, to, to go about this. Um, but to answer your question about the the variability of the strains, it's all over the place. Uh, to be honest, it's really all over the place. There are some trends that we're noticing, though, like the Cubensis will generally be between 0 and 2%, and the Pan-Cyans will generally be between 2 and 4%. Now, your, um, your multi-spore um, uh, liquid syringes will... Um, create more variability in your toe. You'll have just a whole bunch of phenos. You'll have some skinny ones over here, some fat ones over here, some clusters over here, some isolated ones over here. And they could all be kind of all over the place different. But, but uh, we see a little bit of a trend with the isolations are very much more the same. So like if you have like an isolation, like a tidal wave number three, like I did a couple experiments and pretty much from one end of the tote to the other, they were all the same. We tested all the different individual fruits separately. Wow. For batch testing, for, for, for money's worth, for the community, if you're gonna work with the lab and you wanna start batch testing, uh, when we do our test, we give you a folder with a QR code so you can use it on all, your, on all your products and stuff, but I recommend doing a batch test. So when you send in your samples, you send in a bunch of fruits from one harvest. We'll homogenize them all into a single mix and we'll test that. And then that will be your average for that batch only, right? So another isolation, another tote, another multi-sport might be totally different. So you might want to, you know, test every batch. So we're trying to make it a little bit more affordable to do that. So now I have like a basic COA and an in-depth COA. Gotcha. Now for those who want to utilize um, your lab and they want to do testing, what does that process usually look like for them? Oh, it's super easy. I mean, you could just go on the website. There's like four or five different ways to check out. Um, you could do it through a digital format. You could do it on an offsite or an offline payment. There's a form, there's a, there's a long form that you could fit 10 samples on. You could check off what services you want, HPLC, uh, extended in-depth, if you want PCR DNA sequencing uh, or any other extended kind of analysis, you can note it there. You can note any um, lab experiments or things that you're trying to do and just provide your information. The only thing I ask, you know, you could leave some stuff out if you don't want to fill it all out. Just the reporting name, where it says reporting name is kind of important because some people don't want to share the information. They want their information to be private. That's totally okay. I can make you a private folder on the same ELN system that only you will be able to access, but I really encourage everybody to let me share the data publicly because then this gives you benefits too. This gives you end the whole community and your your um, your your clients access to the lab reports and the QR codes that you could do on your products. If you have it private folder, then you're going to be the only one who can access it. Amazing. And it's, so that's it's super easy. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So super easy process. I'm definitely going to be utilizing that. I actually just recently created a new variety that I would love to see the numbers on. I've actually had a couple of my patrons send in uh, my last two the Holy Ghost and Full Metal Ghost. 
Um, and I wanted to say, Domo, while I have you on, like, man, like you are the reason why I even started or leaned into genetics, my friend. Like I, I somehow, like at the time, like the Trinity, like I didn't know it was yours. Like I just saw this like beautiful, like medium sized fruit, like semi non spore later. And I, and it like, you know, beautiful canopies. And I was like, I want that. And I scoured all of Instagram trying to find it. And I invented, uh, eventually found it and uh, loved it so much that I was, I actually found like, you know, who it came from. I found out it came from you. And then I went on the website, saw, you know, I was like, wow, like someone bred this. I'm like, you can, you know, like you can breed mushrooms. I'm like, yeah, obviously, but like, I didn't know. So like that put me on a whole journey of new information. And from there I took your Trinity and I took the true albino teacher ghost bred them. And that's what made the Holy ghost. And from there I've just been breeding. And that's kind of like one of my like main, main things I do in the lab. Um, so thank you for that. That's really awesome. So I'll be using that for a new variety that I just, I just recently, um, completed. I'm still kind of pheno hunting it a bit, but super exciting, man. People love that strain. I've always gotten great feedback, uh, from that strain, uh, including not only the growing, but including the experiences. People tell me that there's something about the experience with it and the trends that I've noticed so far is it seems to have more of the minor alkaloids, specifically baocystin. Yeah. So there's not much proof yet that we can show that baocystin is active on its own. Uh, in fact, they say that many of these minor alkaloids, even though they're extremely potent on their own, they're not active across the blood-brain barrier unless they're in the presence of, say, an MIOI or the other major alkaloids, which is psilocybin and psilocin. So if they are present, it could, it could, it could let it get in. Uh, but having said that, everybody who has told me that they've had taken the Trinity told me that they had some kind of more different, just a little bit different experience. They they got a little bit something different out of it than the other ones, and maybe it's that Bayo system. That's a, that's unbelievable. I agree totally. Um, and even with like family and friends I've shared it with in you know, years past, like I still I still run it from time to time. Like I still keep it on slants. Like I'll run it every once in a while, keep it alive. It's such it's, it's an awesome culture. If you guys haven't already, if you if you got if you can find it, find it. Obviously, um, hey, you know what you know what made that strain so awesome because that was that? kind of that strain was kind of a back cross. It was a tidal wave back crossed with PE, yep. but the third strain thrown in the mix was Aztec God. And that, that is just, well, I'm, one day I'm going to release it, just the, the land race Aztec God, just because it's so good. I usually don't, wow. you know, I usually only just sell my own work, but soon I'm going to start putting some regular land race strains up there. Aztec God was an amazing one that Marina Sabina used to use, by the way. She didn't care for wow. cubes, but I hear she heard she liked this one. That's amazing. I would, I would love to run that someday, actually. I was going to ask you something that I, um, I've been itching to ask someone like yourself is like, obviously, when you're dealing with these fruits, you're, you're touching them, um, open them, you have this like bluing, you know, like that's like oxidation, I'm assuming of like some of these alkaloids. Are there like, what's up with the fruits that have like a very like slight tinge of green? Is that, is that an expression of another alkaloid or, or is it just like varying levels of, of I think um, so. I think, I think you might be onto something. Could, yeah, it could be psilocin, but I think you're onto something that it might be another alkaloid, like maybe originacin gotcha. or a derivative of originacin, because the I don't see originacin on my panel very often, but when I do, it's often from a strain that had that green tinge. 
Interesting. Yeah, I have one in particular, the Steel Magnolia for me that I grew about a year plus ago. Always had like a, a very green look at, you know. Also, very... also the, the MAOIs. I only have four MAOIs on my panel right now. I'm, I'm going to get more soon. But uh, like some of the MAOIs, like you can shine a UV light like on an extract. Like this is just a methanol extract. And some of the samples will have a more green or blue tinge. And uh, my mentor, Felix Blee, had told me that it could potentially be the MAOIs, uh, beta carbolines. Interesting. Yeah, I've always wondered. So, yeah, I mean, that's information that I'll be looking to kind of like, you know, catch up on later. But um, I wanted to ask you, are there any projects or anything you're doing that you would want a lot of eyes on or that you need a lot of support from, from your community, my community, and anybody else who hears this? Yes, yes, the Cultivar Cup. Actually, we have the Cultivar Cup coming up, which is our biannual cup event, testing event. I go all out with the in-depth analysis, do the regular analysis, do the in-depth analysis. We do yeast and mold uh, screening. Good. Also, I'm going to be doing DNA sequencing, forward and reverse reads, two of each of every single sample. And in the end, we're going to make a nice phylogenic tree with the with Mega App. And so, yeah, so it's going to, and we have 22 sponsors. There's going to be tons of prizes. The sponsors put up all the sponsors. If I could really just say thank you to these people because they're all really amazing. George Monty of the True Life Podcast, Entheogenetics, amazing cannabis products, Hamilton Mushroom Extracts, Explore Explore Spores, excuse me, High Street Mushroom Shop, Trip Team, Family, Twisted Tree Nursery, Pacific Substrates, Brown Treasure Substrates, Michael Coyle. Gentech, Scientific, Gordotech, Full Canopy Company, Bass, um, uh, uh, Inoculate the West, Capital Mushrooms, uh, Capital Shrooms, excuse me, Miraculux Lab, Intro Arts, which is my company, Magic Michael is also me, and Io Rodeo. I probably left out a couple, but thank you guys for the sponsorship for the Cult of Our Cup. They put all the prizes up. We got like 10K in prizes. We got a cash wow. pot, we got trophies. And we don't have a lot of entries yet. So the, this is an open event for all. Um, the members get a discount code by signing up through the Patreon. But even you don't have to. Anybody can enter this event. You can enter as many samples as you want. We have five categories for Cubensis, exotics, uh, cannabis, um, cordyceps, and um, extracts. Extracts, which could be any kind of extract. And we never had so many samples um, submitted to those other categories um, in the past. It's mainly been just cubensis and exotics. And if that's how it turns out, again, that's perfectly fine. But we'd like to try to get some more ca- uh, cannabis samples and some more gourmet samples in. It'll definitely add to the research, and that's what it's all about, yep. uh, getting as much research data into this as possible. We now have hundreds and hundreds of sample on the ELN. After this, we're going to have hundreds more. So if you would like to participate in this event, the deadline is December 1st, which is just in like a week. And it's Thanksgiving week and everything coming up. So you're going to want to boogie and get a postmark by December 1st. Of course, the first week of December, I'm going to start all the testing. And if you would like to get that discount code or be involved with some of the monthly projects that I put out or just support my lab in general, you could do that through the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Magic Mico. And on uh, Black Friday, please, everybody go to Amazon 
and it's a free download. It's a totally free download for one day. And we're trying to get it on the international bestseller list. So if you go on Black Friday to Amazon, you could download for free Rattled and Awake Volume 4. Or if you're watching this afterwards, you, uh, you could still go on there and pick up a copy or download a, another copy and check out uh, uh, more in depth how I got into this. That's amazing. Well, I definitely have some, from, some fruits from that first batch um, of that new variety you have. So I'm definitely going to be sending in a sample myself. Um, how can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? And uh, where can they see you most? Uh, yeah, so on IG, um, I have too many accounts. Oh, my God. Magic Michael, <laughs> Magic Michael Org, Intro Arts Lab, Michael Coyle, Doman Nunzio. You could go to magicmichael.com for the, for the vending. You could go to magicmichael.org for the testing. You could go to magicmichael.net and just get all the links there. Uh, you could email me uh, directly at doma at magicmyco.org. If it is cultivar cup related, just to try to keep things organized, try to send it to cultivarcup at gmail.com. All the info to enter is on the website. The address is on the bottom of the long form. Uh, if you need anything, just hit me up. Perfect. And we have one lasting question. I always ask everybody I'm interviewing, answer it long form, short form, however you want. And that is, how are you growing in mind, body, spirit, and mushroom? Man, that is a large question. <laughs> I know, it's, it's as small or as big as you want. <laughs> we probably well, could fit a whole other hour into that question. All I could say is that, and it's almost Thanksgiving, so this is a good time to be extremely thankful for all of you guys, the community, because you guys have really, your, even your criticisms, everything, your love, your criticisms, your participation in this whole thing, even if it looks like some of us are not collaborating, we're all on there sharing our stuff and pushing each other forward, trying to push this movement forward. Why? Because it is uh, creating profound and long-lasting experiences in people. It did that to me. It changed my, it rewired my brain and made it able so I was able to kind of step outside myself and see that I could try a little bit harder. Um, I have a daughter, so that was also a big inspiration. Um, between her and the mushrooms, um, it, it, it allowed me to grow in immeasurable ways, like this interview, for instance. I am so introverted, and even my business name is Introspective Arts. I am so introverted and kind of a hermit that in the past, for me to come out and do an interview or speak in public whatsoever, was no, it was just no question. You would just get an attitude or anger out of me. And since being in this community and doing this work and seeing how others how have reacted to me, some uh, people on my team, shout out to Daisha and Anthony, they just came over my house after that first psilocybin cup win, and they were like, come on. You got to get out there. You got to do this. So it just it's allowed me to grow not only mushrooms, but it's allowed me to grow as a human being and as a person. It's allowed me to get over some of my fears of speaking in front of people and um, just being able to be a better man all in general. So I do this for you. I do this for me. I do this for all of us. I like us for all to work together and to share uh, so we can push it forward together. There's some great... Um, legal bills going on now you could go to like build tracker what psychedelic build tracker uh gordo tech has all the information for free on his patreon if you want to find the link there check out what's going on in your area see if maybe you could get involved 
just keep doing your thing. Be, be just on a Patreon or Facebook. You're just us being out there and all doing it. So many of us is showing the whole world that there's something to this. So let's keep it going. That's the best answer I've gotten from that question by far. So thank you so much, Doma. Thank you for inspiring me to get into the genetics game and to move forward in my information and growing. And uh, it was such a pleasure to meet you again over in Oklahoma. I hope to see yes. you at the next Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. You had a great talk, by the show. way. They did a that great was, job, yes. That was a great job. I just had Jacob on the show this last week, and it was a good, it was a good one. Um, I'll definitely be at the next event for sure, so I'll see you there. Um, I do have I to say, since, since we're here, I wanted to apologize. I was trying to focus while I was watching you, but the lady next to me was just chatting my ear, and I had to keep on like, <laughs> like uh-huh, like look forward, like, uh-huh. I, I was trying to focus on you. <laughs> whoever that it lady is, I'm sorry. Show. That was an extremely – I couldn't – I wanted to go see all the, the workshops, and I couldn't get away from my table. The people who came mm. out were looking for information. They wanted to be educated. Many of them didn't yeah. even know what a spore was, they, they, but they, yeah. they were very interested. They wanted to know and be educated, so it was great to be able to pass that information along. Yeah, great, great show. Can't do it again. Well, awesome. Well, I'll see you at the next event, and yes. I'll keep following you on the socials, and I will be submitting a sample to this cup, to the Cultivar Cup. Thank you so much for what you do, Doma, and have a great day, and, and keep inspiring. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Right, thanks. Much love. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.